Herbert West is at the top of his class in medical school. How can you teach such drivel? These people are here to learn and you're closing their minds before they even have a chance. What are He's you brilliant, but a little weird. I've broken the six to 12 minute barrier. I've conquered brain death. His experiments have always been unorthodox. It was dead. But lately, they're getting out of hand. And he's just made a discovery that could wake up the dead. Herbert West has affected reanimation in dead animal tissue. What are you thinking? How do you feel? You? 15 cc's of reagent being administered. Once you wake up the dead, you've got a real mess on your hands. Dead? Not anymore. Herbert West brought a lot of dead people back to life. And not one of them showed any appreciation. H.P. Lovecraft's classic tale of horror, Reanimator. Mr. West. You'll never get credit for my discovery. Who's going to believe a talking head? Get a job in a sideshow. It will scare you to pieces. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Definitely First Blood. We are a horror movie podcast. We put out a new episode every week. We mostly talk about movies from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, early 2000s. We haven't done a 70s mm-hmm. yet, but... We will. We will. They're very much in our hearts. Yeah, in our minds. Yeah. Hearts, minds. Is there a third thing that we should have it in? I'm going to put it in a bunch of random things just to be safe. My soul, my dreams. How are you? Just to cover all my bases. I'm good. How are you? I'm also good. Uh, I know goose updates are long over, but I do want to give a goose impact update, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So in the two planters that were closest to our goose nest, our geese nest, uh, they've eaten all the tulip bulbs and all the other annual bulbs. So there's these two completely barren planters in a sea of other planters filled with flowers <laughs> and a bunch of like broken and eggs and all that sort of stuff from their nest. Whoa, that's crazy. But yeah. Interesting. Just thought I'd share that for all our listeners at home <laughs> who, who missed Goose Update. I know I've been fielding a lot of calls, texts, emails, tweets, DMs, if you will about this crisis so oh man i'm I'm sorry to hear that (laughs) that's okay so it's episode 14 we are talking about reanimator reanimator i have two lightning bolts drawn next to a syringe yeah the name of it in my notes (laughs) 
uh, I haven't actually seen this movie too many times, so it was. It's good to watch movies like that. I think where. Yeah, yeah it's been a while. I don't remember watching it. If we've watched it together before. Um, I'm actually not sure if we've ever watched it together yeah. before. So. But I really liked it. It yeah. was good. Yeah, I yeah. liked it too. Um. So should we? Jump right into it. Sure, I'm good with that. All right. Yeah. We open on the Zurich Institute University for Medicine or something. It's in German. I'm I don't read German yet. I'm sure one day I will. Uh, and there are four people looking for one uh, Hans Gruber or Herr Gruber. This is going to be a really dumb question. Yeah. Is Zurich in Germany or Switzerland? It's in Switzerland, and this is going to be a dumb statement, probably, and I'm wrong. I think some people speak German in Switzerland. Zurich? Zurich, Switzerland? Zurich, Germany? I don't know anything. We're ignorant North Americans, as you can clearly tell. Yeah. Uh, So our apologies to our international listeners who... It might be in Zurich or Switzerland or Germany. Yeah, unfortunately, all of our <laughs> listens are coming from North America, but... Hey, uh, well, you never know. Maybe in, like, 2050, they'll they'll be doing a retrospective. They'll mix this in. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Dare to dream, folks. Dare to dream. So, <laughs> we've got a quartet of people searching for Herr Gruber... Yes, there's a, a very serious guy with, you can tell he's serious because he's wearing glasses, and uh, he's walking, storming down the hallway, really, with um, some cops, and they meet up with a secretary lady, yeah. nurse lady. Very and, serious uh, lady, they who's not a cop. Furiously banging on the, the office door while trying to get in to get Mr. Gruber yeah, and eventually the cops are just like, to H with this, we're just going to cop our way in there, and they smash their way in with their World War Two era pistols. Yeah, and when they get in, uh, Mr. Gruber, we would assume, is already flopping around on the ground. He's seizing out because yeah. he's under the influence of zombie juice. Yeah, zombie juice, and... Uh, we have a young man standing over him. Yes, Herbert West, trying to stick him with a a needle. Yeah, and he's, as the cops try to drag West away, West is like, no, don't, I need to record this. Yeah, Uh, well, Gruber's, like, whole face melts, pretty much. His eyes explode and blood comes out of his mouth. And he's screaming the entire time. You can tell that not only is he dying, but he hates every minute of it the whole time yeah it definitely doesn't seem fun to be a zomboid in this universe no definitely not uh and as the administrators who are covered in blood eye blood accuse mr west of murder he says you killed him no i did not i gave him life kill him I gave him life or something like that yeah that's they say you killed him and he said I gave him life yeah that's perfect your dramatic 
uh, reading was much better than mine, though, I guess. so. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, it's not like I went to a liberal arts school for the performing arts school of arts or anything. But Then we're treated to a Saul Bass-inspired title sequence with different uh, anatomy pictures flashing in different colors. In sharp relief. Yeah. Optima credits on top. And so right after that, we've left Switzerland or wherever the hell we were. Mm -hmm. And uh, now we are in Arkham, Massachusetts. Yeah. At at Miskatonic University. Miskatonic University. Classic. Uh, Inside there, there's a woman. She's flatlining. And we meet our strapping protagonist, Dan Kane. As he is furiously trying to resuscitate her. Yeah, he's really putting his whole body, especially his head, into it. Especially his head. It's like he's in a mosh pit. (laughs) And uh, his teaching doctor is telling him that it's time to stop when a good doctor knows when to stop. Yeah. Because the woman has long since passed. But he just won't give up so naturally as a punishment his teaching doctor doctor in charge says hey this patient died uh why don't you immediately take them to the morgue after trying to (laughs) resuscitate them for an extended period of time (laughs) you know a totally normal thing yeah so he wheels the body to the morgue and uh we meet our security guard who plays a little bit of a bit part for the rest of the movie and uh so while Dan is coming in, he drops the, what should be the tagline for every morgue, really. Yeah. Uh, nobody wants in, ain't nobody getting out. <laughs> and I guess that proves to be pretty prophetic in the long term, dot, dot, dot. But this is a tro- example of a trope that I really don't like, which is the office in the hallway our security guard just has a desk with all of his accoutrement, like a cluttered desk, in the middle of a hallway. Yeah. Um, Anyone could take your stuff, dude. Very true. Also, this was a very low-budget movie, so they probably just, that was what they had to work with location-wise. No, definitely. I'm just riffing off of it. So inside the morgue, Dan sees... Dr. Hill, Dr. Carl Hill, mm-hmm. he's like laser burning uh, a hole into one of the dead bodies. And he is the lead brain researcher at the university. We come to find out from yeah. Dean Halsey. He brings in all of the funding and he loves to jam Q-tips into the holes that he drills. At the same time, Dean Halsey is giving a tour to new student Herbert West from the opening scene. So they're introduced and Herbert really like reads Dr. Hill to filth. I know your work, Dr. Hill, quite well. Your theory on the location of the will and the brain is interesting. Though derivative of Dr. Gruber's research in the early 70s, so derivative, in fact, that in Europe it's considered plagiarized. And your support of the 12-minute limit on the life of the brainstem after death. Six to 12 minutes, Mr. Uh... West. 
Herbert West. Frankly, Dr. Uh, Hill, your work on brain death is outdated. <clears throat> yeah, and for someone who's going to be your new professor, like that's a terrible first impression to make. Uh, I think you plagiarized all your work and your garbage now dated. That's his character though, right? Like he's a very single-minded character. He knows what he wants to do and no, everything else is sort of definitely. A... I'm just I'm just commenting that it's a ballsy move to make in general. It for sure is. It's a very aggressive play for Alpha. Yeah. So the dean invites Dr. Hill to dinner at his place with his daughter Megan, who is our hero Dan Kane's fiance. Mm -hmm. And uh, she is out in the halls and she catches Dan just as he's putting up an ad for a new roommate, coincidentally. Uh, cut to them having sex. Yeah, it's a really good jump cut between them kissing and her in, in flagranto delecte, as they say in common parlance. They're having sex, they're fucking. Oh, That's gotcha. what it means. Okay. Yeah, because she's, it's like kissing noises immediately cut. I don't know. I liked it. It was good. They are unfortunately interrupted by Rufus, the black cat, who jumps on Dan's back. Yeah, he's like parkouring off of him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're like, oh, that darn cat. Regardless of the cat's present, uh, Megan's got to go home because her dad is the world's last living Puritan. Yeah. And Dan decides to send her out with a little skit by pretending to uh, be a corpse on the slap of his bed, yeah, rising from the dead and chasing around his apartment. What are you doing? Dan! Just like Stop. Frankenstein. No. Very scary. She doesn't Dan, like it. Oh, my pretty. Yeah, I don't like that. Don't. Oh, there's not a jury in the world. Stop. Me. <laughs> a hint at things to come, I guess. Yeah. And uh, she, just as she's about to open the front door uh, and escape into the night, uh, well, she does open the door, and who should be right there that she bumps into? Mr. West. Yeah, so he has taken the roommate advertisement from the board that we saw Mr. Kane putting up and he has come to ask for the room and uh, not just like ask but like basically like tell Dan oh this is perfect this is great all my stuff's already here I'm moving in right now whether yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. he really imposes himself on this this guy and Megan knows Herbert is no good. She's not at all buying what he's selling. She's trying to subtly hint at Dan, like, don't do this. But money talks, and he hands him, like, a fat wad. Yeah. And, and the basement and room are his. Yeah, apparently so. Which is, I wonder if he had to pay extra for the whole basement. Maybe. <laughs> so we cut to the next day, and uh, Dr. Hill is teaching a class on looking at brains, I guess, cutting cutting skulls off. Yeah, he scalps a Yeah, it's corpse. very gruesome. Yeah, and then, like, very quickly, like, less than 30 seconds, 
completely takes the skull cap off and is like playing around in in the in the goo in the brain pretty gross yeah so the whole time uh he's doing this he's sort of chirping the argument that he had with hubert or herbert the Mm -hmm. other day the previous day when uh herbert was like scoffing at his his studies so he's really driving home that the human brain survives for six to twelve minutes six to twelve minutes if that if you're lucky all the while uh, a very pissed off frustrated herbert is breaking pencils yeah to, to distract him right in front of his own face very clearly very loudly and he's front and center in front of all of the students and uh dr hill loves it yeah he's uh he's got some shade himself to throw so he tells herbert that he suggests he gets himself a pen and not good to piss off herbert it seems because then he he flies off the handle and tells dr hill that He's not even teaching these students anything. Yeah, it's just drivel, and he's stifling them. It's all very dramatic. Herbert is like a pretty big drama queen. Pretty, again, pretty bold mood to do in front of all of your peers. Luckily, we get to be flies on the wall as the dinner party with the dean, Dr. Hill, and Megan is it's it's just wrapping up yeah it's pretty awkward because it's literally just the three of them at their house drinking giant glasses of wine in celebration of big ass grant and this is really the first scene because it's the first scene we see megan and hill together that he's he's just like staring at her the whole time being like a total creep yeah and he's significantly older than she is. Oh, yeah. He's like an old man. And she's like 18. Yeah. Yeah. That goes without saying, though, yeah. I think. And uh, Dan shows up to pick Megan up. The Dr. Hill is seething the whole time. Yeah, because they're going to go to study. But why can't they study here? Yeah, he's being extremely creepy and ominous no thank you and uh one thing i will definitely say is barbara crampton really found a haircut that worked and she just like kept kept with it for years yeah that she did she still has like the same thing going on it looks it looks good though yeah and it would probably be scary to venture out from it Maybe she secretly has like a bunch of wigs that she tries on in private. It's like, I could Maybe. never. I could never. Barbara Crampton, if you're listening, please let us know. I'm sure she will, bud. I'm sure she will. Yeah. They are at Casa del Dan now. Yeah. And Megan is feeling kind of sketched out. Her cat. While their cat is missing. Yeah, she notices Rufus is missing. And she and Dan start to look everywhere for the little fella. Mm -hmm. But he's nowhere to be found. And when they run out of places, Megan decides, I'm going to check Yeah, she gets brave. And she goes to check Herbert's room. Uh, She opens the door. The music swells. 
And then she finds the body of Rufus in the fridge. And yeah. this was actually an actual cat corpse. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ooh, I don't like that. Can I Can I be honest with you? This was actually surprising to me because I'm so trained on the drivel of, mo- of modern horror movies where I was like, oh, the cat's going to like jump out in a jump scare. Because the movie's called Reanimator, so of course they'd expect you to think that the cat's dead. And then I was like, well, if the cat's dead, it's probably in the basement, because West loved the basement so much. He was smitten <laughs> with it. Smitten oh, like it a his, kitten. It was his laboratory, right? Yeah. But no, it Dexter was in was his... was just as protective. Definitely. It was in his weird mini fridge with his mysterious bright green glowing ampule this whole time right by his bed herbert has arrived home at the exact same time and he comes storming into the room and is like pissed off at megan for being in his room why is he there blah 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 and uh he's like basically he sums up his argument as cat's dead details later i didn't want to upset you Well, yeah, Dan asks, because Dan comes in naturally when she starts screaming, Mm -hmm. and he asks what happened to Rufus. Herbert eventually says that he found Rufus dead, and the cat had stuck its head inside of a jar and suffocated. I don't believe it. Well, neither does Megan. The whole time Megan is insisting that Herbert is the one who killed the cat. And... Uh, especially, you know, after Megan leaves, uh, West is talking to Dan and he's like, you know, how would the Dean, what would the Dean think of you dating his daughter secretly? I could Well, not them. dating, having sex with. Yeah, true. Like they're allowed to date. It's the, the sex that's the. Yeah. Hooking up, if you will. Yeah. In modern parlance. So he's, he's threatening, he's going to blackmail dan in order to make sure that he gets to keep the room uh so then from there we cut to dan who's asleep being awoken by a terrifying scream in the night a snarling cat-like scream and he immediately picks up his baseball bat to go to investigate yeah he tries to wake uh west up but there's no answer at west door uh so he breaks into the basement because that's where the scream is coming mm-hmm. from. He falls down the stairs. Yeah, he, he has a very dramatic so fall. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. <laughs> so he finds in the basement West with a black cat attacking him, attached to his back. Yeah, and like attached like it doesn't have any bones, like it's a gecko or something, like on his back, and he's fighting it. Yep. And so we've got Dan. He's armed with a baseball bat. Mm -hmm. And our good pal, West, grabs a croquet mallet. Uh, And Dan eventually beats the cat to death. Yeah, he hits a home run. Yeah. Cat gets slammed into the walls a bunch of times. And Dan's pretty disgusted because... He realizes it's Rufus. Yeah. A murderous Rufus reanimated yeah and west maniacally laughs like the evil scientist that he is uh dan refuses to believe that it's rufus yeah that he got 
he just thinks that he knocked him out yeah like put him to sleep and hit him in the in the fridge temporarily which would be a more parsimonious explanation than west raising the dead but what are you gonna do so he explains to dan his whole theory on reanimation or whatever uh he gives a little bit of his backstory he says that he's brought several animals back to life cats dogs rabbits and uh he pretty much demands dan's help yeah he says you will help me (laughs) but dan still doesn't really believe him until west uh brings poor rufus back again yeah so you super mangles doesn't matter how many times you've been killed apparently as long as that brain stem's still there and it's not totally rotten and uh so dan asks why rufus is screaming like god why does he make that noise birth is always painful like on the table you can see the inside of the cat and i've never had a cat where you could see the inside of it before you know what i mean but wes says birth is always painful (laughs) i mean i guess if my outsides or insides are on the outsides and then our lady with a habit of walking into places at terrible times uh megan happens upon the events that are unfolding in the basement and Uh, she's not thrilled about it she's terrified screaming Screaming. as you would rightfully so seeing a vivisected cat mewling grossly (laughs) (laughs) so after our exciting evening we cut to dan the next day he's talking to dean halsey he's trying to tell him about Herbert's experiments and he's telling him in the most straightforward way possible that you never see in movies like this he's like uh Dean Mr. West has reanimated the dead I have seen it for myself (laughs) and that's it and immediately upon saying this uh Dan is excommunicated from the dean's mind from the school the the dean doesn't believe him and uh dan accidentally lets it slip when he's talking trying to prove himself that megan also saw the reanimation yeah so uh and megan was not supposed to be there because of her puritanical father so he kind of infers that they were sleeping together Mm -hmm. which is a big no-no and now dan flies off the handle yeah dan's lost his uh loan well not yet dan he tells dan that he has to write a letter of apology Mm -hmm. but west is out west is like done Mm mm-hmm you know, if this happened today, the dean would be so fucked. <laughs> Why is that? Because it's such a petty, like, personal thing to do that has. Wouldn't nothing... even need to worry about it today. Like, it would have been recorded. We cut to times. Dan uh, approaching the morgue with a corpse under under a blanket, and he comes up to the guard and uh, says, "Oh, just got another one to drop off, more or less." And uh, obviously, it's West underneath the blanket. Yeah, the guard says, You got my lunch under there, too? You ain't got my lunch under there, have you? 
Yeah, one meatball run over by a semi. Ooh. I lost my appetite. You gonna be around for a while? Yeah. I might go catch me some uh, coffee. Take your time. He also very visibly already has food sitting on his desk. So I don't know how much food this guy can eat, but apparently he is insatiable. Yeah, like another weird oblique reference to eating in the morgue. Gross trope. <laughs> yeah, so they get they get past him no problem and they're into the morgue and then they do like a Goldilocks sequence where they're examining the toe tags of the bodies. And yeah. trying to find the perfect one it's yeah. like the bachelor but this one's too burned this one's brain got exploded out of his face with a shotgun this one's too tall whatever and eventually they find one that's acceptable and west uh hands dan a uh way to transcribe the whole event naturally uh, the best way to do it for proof is uh, audio recording. Yeah, just like a tiny handheld audio recorder, which only record the very best quality. Yeah, like not even a Polaroid. And definitely <laughs> sufficient truth. Not even a disposable camera. Whatever. Uh, it's fine. So they inject the corpse eventually. Yeah, with as much as Wes thinks it needs, which is a lot. And, and he comes back to life, except yeah. he's like he instantly goes into like a frenetic zombie craze yeah. state. His brain's gone bad. Uh, during the his assault on West and Dan, yeah, he beats them up. Dean Halsey, unfortunately, is he shows up. Yeah, and because he has a suspicion that Dan is gonna go back to the hospital and do something before he leaves and he's exactly right so he goes directly down to the morgue as soon as he finds out that dan and west are in there and uh while he's pounding on the locked door to get in there uh the resurrected person punches through the door and 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 crushes him underneath it and then picks him up and throws him around like a rag doll for an extended amount of time Dan and West both do try and save him, though. So they're not totally bad guys in this situation. Uh, and I guess, like, if he wouldn't have even been there, it wouldn't have been a problem. Yeah. But uh, so he's dead. And then we've got West, who comes up behind our reanimated corpse and bone saws through his chest. Yeah, which to me was a weird choice. I think it would have gone for the the neck. Yeah, uh, but West sort of like punch. It's almost like he punches straight through him, straight to the other side, and he's got this bone saw embedded in in his abdomen. Pretty gross. I think maybe it was to destroy the heart to stop it from pumping the green goo. Maybe that makes sense. But I don't know because they're intentionally very broad with what the serum is what its limits are what it can blah, do blah 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 so he, west because he's this like mad scientist guy with a singular vision of defeating death he can't let this opportunity of a fresh corpse pass him by yeah the dean is too hot of an item so they instantly inject the dean with his serum and sure enough 
the dean rises but much like our previous corpse he's violent he's animalistic his brain's been boiled basically is what it seems like like he's gone mad megan finally breaks free from her faculty chaperone oh yeah i don't know if we mentioned that that yeah megan showed up at some point during all of this she she followed her dad but then her dad was like you have to stay at this nurse's yeah she's getting babysat like she's a 12 year old or something i don't know and in a complete throwaway visual thing she's sitting next to a dude that has had his jaw removed surgically and it's all bandaged up i don't know it's it's very surreal uh, even in a hospital and she runs away from him yeah so she shows up at the scene of the bloodbath that's going on and she sees her father in this crazy state uh and west's sort of tries to lie his way out of it and like explain it away as like oh we were just we were just here and he started acting crazy yeah you know something totally normal (laughs) so as soon as megan shows up though he like cowers off to the corner like sort of scampers off yeah and and is like frankenstein screaming yeah he's like the dean's mewling in the corner for the rest of the the scene yeah so Dr. Hill, our villain, he takes charge of Dr. Halsey and he puts him in like a padded observation cell in his office. Yeah, which is pretty convenient. I mean, I've I'm not going to say that I've had a bunch of offices in my life, but of all the offices that I have had, I've never had a, a psychiatric padded room observation chamber with a one-way mirror attached <laughs> to it. So kudos to you doctor kudos to you megan is also there she is being manipulated into signing release forms that give dr hill the ability to perform uh, some sort of surgical procedure on her father yeah which he calls exploratory surgery because if they don't know what happened to him they won't know how long it'll take for him to recover she agrees and she signs off and dr hill drops some creepy pickup lines and he says that he wants her to think of him as someone who she can come to with with her problems or if she's lonely lonely and then he starts being like super predatory and coming towards her slowly yeah camera angles over his shoulder so it's like extra creepy and then they're interrupted Ugh. by Halsey smashing his head on the glass yeah. behind them. Thanks, Dad. And as we know later, he can actually see the guy through the glass, right? Um, after... Or is that just after he's been put under his thrall? Yeah, I think it's after the thrall. I made a note of that as well, though, because I was like, didn't he say it was one-way glass? <laughs> yeah, but I think it was like his sort of like a hinting at his psychic connection with his daughter ah gotcha megan arrives home and dan is already sitting there waiting for her he's pretty upset he feels very bad for you know killing her father and turning him into a zombie creature apparently it's hard to tell your so that you did that you know there's no ask amy's for it when you look it up on the internet believe me i've looked not that I've 
killed your father and turned him into a ghoul or anything. So she slaps him multiple times, multiple times. Yeah. Very convincingly. I don't know. She does a good job acting here. Yeah, it was really good. And it portrayed the complexities of those emotions. Yeah, so she wants to know what Dan and West did to her father. And Dan tells her that her father's dead. Like, he finally comes clean to say that her father is dead. And he's going to tell her everything. And understandably, she does not believe him. Yeah, she's very upset. Because who would? Can't be true. Uh, Back at Dan and Wes' house, the doctor has arrived. He's, like, vampire batted his way into their basement where West is working on his serums. And he says, you'll give the serum to me. Or I'll convince the police that you're the murderer. <laughs> yeah, so he he's trying to blackmail him. Blackmail seems to be a recurring thing in this movie. And uh, so he's trying to get him to surrender his regents and his notes because he plans on taking credit for everything that Wes has done. Yeah, and West seems to give up way too easily. He gives him his notebooks. He shows him his very fancy microscope which he liberally splashes with uh, his serum, the specimen slide. Yeah, so about the whole uh, scene where Dr. Hill is trying to get West to give him the notes, and it's like that intense staring. Mm -hmm. So there's actually a whole B-plot in this movie where the doctor had mind control powers. Oh. So this is, I think, one of the instance like they removed it completely except for this instance of him doing it with west and then i think when he was talking to megan in the last scene yeah he was also trying to use it there but um yeah so during during this uh sesh that these two doctors are having megan and dan are breaking into the doctor's office and while Megan goes to see her dad in person, Dan decides, I'm going to riffle through the first file on the top of the piles in his filing cabinet. The very first file. Yeah, and he finds a folder filled with stuff about Megan. And stuff off of Megan. Yeah, he's got her hair. And things like used napkins and what looks like to be like a skirt when she, from when she was a child. <laughs> it's pretty gross. Back at our uh, evil scientist laboratory, uh, Hill has gotten West to put a couple drops of his serum onto the microscope that's from the dead cat tissue. And as the doctor is looking at the specimen... Our good pal, Hubert. Hubert. I don't know why I keep wanting to say Hubert. It's Herbert. I like Hubert. I'm just going to call him Jeff because that's yeah, his real name. Much better. Uh, so Jeff slowly starts sneaking up from behind with a shovel. Yeah. And I mean, Dr. Hill could easily have avoided this fate if he just had taken the notebook and left. 
but instead he's got to get all cocky and muse about how famous he's going to be while turning his back to West. <laughs> like, well, rookie mistake. It's not just the... He wants everything, right? Like, the serum... He needs to understand how it works if he's going to take full credit for it, and that's more than just is in the notebook. No, certainly, but uh, I wouldn't trust what I wouldn't turn my back on West. I guess is what I'm saying. Like, it's I a guess. bad idea. Yeah, as, and it proves to be a bad yeah. idea because he gets hit in the back of the head and then loses his head. Yeah, he gets decapitated by the shovel. Pretty messily. It's pretty righteous. And as he's doing it, he shouts. Dangerous. Always the stickler for academic honesty, our West. So he picks the head up and he brings it over to his desk and puts it in a tray. And then there's this like sight gag where the head keeps falling over. Yep. And then he uh, just like slams it on one of those like paper spike things to hold it upright. Yeah. Like you would put bills on. Do they ever address that again? Like when his... I don't think so, right? So I guess Uh... the whole time his head is there, we're assuming... Yeah. That it has the spike in it? Yeah, I guess so. Interesting. It is interesting because you'd think that would hurt. But then again, I guess when you have Being just a head would hurt. Yeah, maybe. If there are any of our listeners out there who are just a head with the rest of it raggedy, torn off, and bloody and gross, uh, call in. Hill is super dead. His head is about to be reanimated because... Herb, Jeff, is, again, wasting no time. He's just going to stick his serum right in this guy's neck. But this time, he knows to try He gets to try, like, different body parts. Yeah. So he does one injection in the body and one injection in just the head. And then the head wakes up. And different from the other times we've seen this happen so far mm-hmm. is he is talking He's, like, calling West's name. Yeah, and something I liked about this is, I mean, in real life, if we wanted to be super pedantic, the head couldn't actually talk to them lungs. But they sure as hell made it seem like it was super hard for him to talk, which Very I really true. liked. Yeah. Yes. Yes, doctor. It's Herbert West. What are you thinking? How do you feel? You? Um, but if I was West, I think I would have started with decapitated heads this whole time. It seems like much less of a risk of them jumping on your back and biting you. I guess. But you live, you learn. Yeah. And then you get loves. So we we cut back to our disembodied head and our uh, disenheaded body with West in the basement. West then makes the same mistake that you were just chirping the doctor about because while he's questioning the head, the doctor's body sneaks up behind him and knocks him out. Hoisted by his own resurrection, if you will. (laughs) Bad planning on West's part. Back at the doctor's office, uh, 
Megan and Dan have made their way into the padded cell and they discover that the doctor has in fact been lobotomized. We start bobbing back and forth between a lot of scenes coming up here. Mm -hmm. So after Megan sees that her father has been lobotomized, unfortunately, Dan sort of gives her a rundown of the situation. And West is waking up at home to find that the body has carried the head away. everything else. Yeah, it's stolen all of his region, all of his notes. Uh, He's, like, freaking out, screaming, Mm -hmm. just as Dan comes into the basement. And West uh, divulges to him that he has killed Dr. Hill. Yeah. Dan sort of has this moment of realization where he realizes why he lobotomized the dean yeah so he couldn't couldn't do anything if he ever regained consciousness he couldn't talk back or say anything against him yeah exactly yeah wouldn't have control over his daughter anymore and i guess just as dan has gotten home the doctor has gotten back to his office and he his body brings him a bag of blood yeah. that he he friggin' loves. He you soaks know, that up. You know, um, all the doctors that I know, in addition to having a private psychiatric observation room right off their office, they also have a mini fridge with some blood in it. Just for special occasions. You never know when you're going to need a little A positive, I guess. But it was interesting. And after he's recharged with his blood pack, this is where we start to see that he can control the lobotomized Dean Halsey. Yeah. Uh, he has his disembodied, oh, disenheaded body pick up his head and carry him to the one-way glass, and he telepathically communicates with Halsey uh, and tells him, I'm going to let you free, and I have something I want you to do. He dons what might be one of the best disguises of all time where it's just like the example head in a trench coat yeah like a plaster medical head with that's been cross-sectioned yeah (laughs) to sneak past our guard who is way too busy looking at yeah he's i guess super horny because he's looking at a porn magazine and uh after the doctor goes into the morgue he's like oh guess it's break time yeah. so i guess he's gonna go like jerk off for half an yeah. hour or something or eat a sandwich the same thing really i guess but yeah so he wanders away to give the doctor some alone time with the corpses as you do and the body wheels another corpse into the morgue from the freezer because our doctor is about to start experimenting. Yeah, with his own, uh, well, not his own serum, the serum he's stolen. Yeah. Dan, at this point, has returned to Megan's house to protect her because with everything that's going on, he knows that she's probably a target. Still hasn't told her about the file, though. I mean, granted, she's pretty fragile after her dad's death, but... I don't know. I think I would have told her. Yeah, he gives her like a whole speech about how hard it is to mm-hmm. be a part. I mean, this has literally been 24 hours, guys. Yeah, man. But uh, it, how hard it is to lose her. She tells him to go away and to transfer 
so he's not even at the school anymore. You should go away. Transfer to another school. Don't worry about me. You're the one who should get away. Go live your life. Find somebody. I tried to hate you. I wanted so much to hate you. He tells her that he wants her to go away and find somebody else, and they're about to do like a very romantic makeup smooch yeah. when <laughs> Mr. Halsey crashes through the door. Yeah, literally punches through the door and tries to strangle Dan. But then he sees his daughter, Megan, and he kidnaps her. Yeah, decides to. It's pretty violent. He grabs her mouth and the back of her head and just sort of shakes and twists it. I don't know. I've never seen it before. I don't want to see it again. Yikes. Yeah. We cut back to the morgue. Hill is conducting his brain surgery on all of the corpses. Yeah. As you do. I mean, in for a penny, in for a pound. Uh, And there's a knock, knock, knock in on that cellar door, chamber door. Uh, The body gets it, opens it up, and it's our dad, Dean Ghoul. Yes, he's delivering Megan to the morgue. I fully thought she was 100% a corpse at this point. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, I, I really did. I was scared. She gets strapped to the metal table and forcibly stripped by her father, I guess. Yeah, he just rips all of her clothes off as the disembodied head of the dock looks on leeringly, completely grossly, like, ugh, it's revolting. Yeah, Uh, West has arrived at Megan's house just as Dan is waking up, and he... uh, The two of them jet off together back to the hospital because they assume that's where the doctor would be hanging Mm -hmm. out. Uh, And at the hospital, the head guy, Dr. Hill, is like his body is sexually uh, assaulting her, really. Yeah, and it's really gross the head is biting her nipples yeah the body is holding his head so it can lick her face and and lick her body and attempt to have oral sex with her yeah it is that was actually stephen king's favorite part Ugh. well i can see why (laughs) it was it was genuinely like I've seen a lot of really gross movies or like really hard to watch movies but that was genuinely revolting because so many times in these especially in these like really early movies like this it's uh the women get naked and it's either like not sexualized at all or it's very sexualized but in this case it was like anti-sexualized it was like scary and you really identified with her I would hope. I yeah, and all of the corpses around her were also naked, so That's... I don't know. It was like an interesting image, I guess. So she wakes up in the middle of all of this, and the head tells her that he's always admired her beauty. Yeah. 
loved her and that she will love him. <laughs> yeah. Not... And the whole time she's, like, screaming for him to stop and, like, not to do it. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, just as he's beginning to perform Cunnilingus, our two antiheroes burst in. Yeah, and West immediately dresses him down. Steal the secret of life and death, and here you are, trysting with the bubble-headed co-ed. You're not even a second-rate scientist. Oh. Mr. West, I'm actually glad to see you. It saves me the trouble of having to send for you. Who's going to believe a talking head? Get a job in a sideshow. Yeah, Dr. Hill does his his threat back at West, and West says, who's going to believe a talking head? Yeah. Get a job at a sideshow. Oh, so cutting. Perfect. As only West could do. Yeah, so he's able to distract the doctor long enough so that Dan can free Megan. Yeah, and uh, while the doctor is confronting him, what are you going to do? Well, I have a plan, says West. Unfortunately, the doctor also had a plan. Yeah, so he reveals that he has reanimated and lobotomized all of the corpses in the morgue as they have all stood up and it's not a good thing yeah as one risen to attack and it's all the corpses from earlier when they were listing off the causes of death so it's it's sort of like a callback but they all start attacking dan and megan yeah uh west starts to sneak up behind hill again reference to our earlier thing but this time, Hill, like, holds his head up and turns it 180 degrees backwards. Mm-hmm. So it's like looking right at West to stop him. He caught him this time. Uh, while Megan and Dan are being attacked, specifically Megan, Megan's saying, Daddy, Daddy, like, help, do something, don't attack me, or something like that. Yeah, and her her voice reawakens, like, her father's paternal instinct or something, yeah, I guess, is very, the uh, idea. Frankenstein. And so he starts fighting off the other corpses. Yeah, beating them up, which is pretty nice, if I do say so myself. The brawl gets so rowdy that it spills out into the hallway and terrifies our security guard. Yeah, who does not get paid enough for this, so immediately runs off, and I do not yeah. blame him. Halsey squishes the doctor's eyes. Yeah, and like his head like compacts it and as he's doing this the rest of the corpses are freaking out because they're also sort of feeling it and at this moment west i guess decides to super inject the body he wants to see what happens when it overdoses because he thinks it's gonna kill it i think yeah unfortunately the we get some like cronenberg body splits open like it's getting heart surgery and yeah it mutates intestines i wasn't sure if they were intestines or tentacles but you clarified that they were indeed intestines yeah they're like intestine tentacles they come out it's a lovecraft right so yeah they wrap around him and they're dragging him into this cracked chest which in the 
fog of dropped chemicals. Yeah, a zombie breaks a gas line. Yeah, uh, as they're trashing the joint. There's a bright light coming from the chest, and and uh, West is getting drawn into it. So presumably, it's like a portal or something. Yes, he screams out to Dan to make sure that he saves his work and My notes. throws like a satchel to him or something, which Dan does get, and it has the the serum in it and all of his notes. Yeah, Megan and Dan take this opportunity to flee, and they get attacked by the corpse that was shot with the shotgun in the head, and Dan has to grossly reach into the dude's head and like fuck with his brain to kill him while he's being attacked like no hustle at all went to go get the the fire axe oh yeah definitely because after that they they go into the elevator to escape because obviously the morgue's in the basement well she's being attacked at this point that's why he goes to get the and the elevator door is closing like super slowly so the corpse that was burned over 80 percent of its body comes in and just starts strangling her that that's when that happens that's when he goes and cuts off yeah okay gotcha. so he goes to get a, a fire axe after as Christopher said an extended period of time and uh, it's too late Megan is already super duper dead he finally does the right thing and tries to take her to the emergency room upstairs and he's it's like a parallel to our scene earlier he's refusing to give up he's pumping on her chest trying to perform CPR as best he can but she is super dead and her larynx is crushed and everything. Yeah. So everyone decides, well, we're going to leave Dan and Megan alone. Yeah, he starts crying. And thankfully, the rest of the emergency room staff that have gathered around uh, leave him alone to be with the body, I guess. Yeah, he's overcome with grief. But in his grief, it ch- changes to resolve. And he pulls out the serum and injects it into Megan. Yeah, in reliable plastic. We slowly zoom out and fade fade to black. black. Megan screams. And it's like a... It's not one of your candy-ass screams. It's like a I'm actually being tortured scream. The end. Yep. That means there's dot 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 implications yeah there there is sequels but megan isn't in the sequels or anything so that's like the end of her story so do you want to hear should we do the six degrees of jamie lee first or would you like to hear about the production a little bit first let's do the jamie lee first let's switch things up okay so we're starting at jeffrey coombs who Mm -hmm. plays west in this he was in 2005's Edmund, don't know what it was about, no. with Joe Montaigne, uh. who was in The Kid and I, also in 2005, with Jamie Lee Curtis. Wow. Montaigne. Busy man. So they've all been able to Jamie Lee. So I think, I don't know, at this point, I, I truly believe all of them probably will. I can't imagine the circumstance I hope so. Maybe if we do some obscure, like, Indo-Korean hybrid crossover horror movie. Who knows? If you know any, please send it to us. <laughs> yeah. Man, you're going to get so many emails from all of the, the things that you've been telling yeah. people to write in about. I hope so. 
And postcards. Yeah. Definitely. Telegrams. Yeah. So, this movie was made on a budget of around $800,000. Pretty cheap. Uh, it was shot in 18 to 22 days. So I... Holy shit. In different articles, the director said different things. Mm-hmm. So I'm just not really... I think it might be 18, and then I they did some... They added in the beginning. So I think that's probably where the 22 comes from, no, but I don't know. Sense. Still, that's nothing. Three weeks and a day for good luck. So Reanimator began the idea anyway uh, when a friend of the director, Stuart Gordon, suggested that he do a horror movie. So up until this point, Gordon was predominantly, no, he was solely like a, a stage producer and director. He owned his own theater company. Um, so he was very much like a man of the stage. A so, thespian, if you will. Yeah. So a friend suggested that he do a horror film. And the reason being that they said it was the easiest way to raise money like the easiest thing to raise money for Mm -hmm. and the easiest way uh, for investors to get their money back, no matter how bad the final product was. I suppose that's true today too. (laughs) Uh, However, the board of the organic theater, the theater company that he founded and owned uh, were not happy about, him doing a horror movie oh dear and originally he was going to do it with the company and shoot it at the theater but they thought he should be doing an art film instead and so they refused to allow him to do a horror film there oh that's terrible so with reanimator he was thinking a lot about frankenstein as a movie Mm -hmm. and the whole thing kind of began with a conversation that Gordon was having with a, an unnamed woman. I couldn't find out who she was Ooh, anywhere. Mysterious. But uh, so he was lamenting about how all anyone wanted to make were vampire movies and he wanted someone to make a Frankenstein movie. So she suggested to him that he read H.P. Lovecraft's Herbert West Reanimator, which he'd never even heard of, uh, even though he said he knew Lovecraft yeah. pretty well. So it wasn't easy for him to find. He went to the Chicago Public Library to try and get a treat, mm-hmm. but it was no longer in print. Oh, wow. So he had to like really search for it. And when he finally found it, it was like a falling apart. The pages were sticking together and he had to like Xerox it. Um, but when he read it, he immediately was thinking how he could adapt it. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. So in 1979, uh, Gordon had turned a play of his, Bleacher Bums, into a television show for public television. So he knew people at the station pretty well. And initially, he went to them with the idea of doing a reanimator miniseries. So it would have been like a six-part miniseries, but they were not interested in it at all. Uh, The original... Lovecraft actually wrote as like a series of six installments and they had planned to do it originally like to follow what the the plots were in the books oh, okay. and like set them in 
the time period and mm-hmm. blah blah blah. So they tr- they tried to do it as like half hour episodes and then hour long episodes, but they couldn't get it going for TV until the project found its way to Brian Usna. And he was looking for something to do at the time, and he really liked the story. And as we know, he used the success of Reanimator to leverage society getting made. Oh. So. Nice connection. Yeah. So he liked it. And ultimately, as we know, they decided to turn it into a feature. Um, Brian Usna actually is the one who worked out a deal with the production company and it, in exchange for giving them the distribution rights, they provided post-production facilities for the film, and they actually became much more involved than that. It was the studio head, I think he was. His name was Charlie Band. Uh, I'm probably wrong about his position, but we'll go with it. Yeah. So he, he appreciates it. He insisted that the production uh, replace their director of photography. So Yeah, it's a very controversial position. They had already shot a week with their first cinematographer. Oh, no. Whose name was Robert Ebinger. He didn't really do too many interesting things, but he did do 1981 Student Bodies, which is like the scary movie of the 80s. Uh, And all of the material that he shot is in the movie. It's So it wasn't unusable. It was just they wanted their own guy. So they replaced him with Mac Alberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, one of the things that spurred on this this change, I guess, was there was a sequence. It was not specified in the interview that I read, and I didn't dig too far. But the producers thought that it was too dark, so they brought in the other director of photography mm-hmm. to take over. So originally he was planning to use people from his theater company, the organic theater. Yep. Um, but it didn't really work out. So he ended up casting a lot of people from Los Angeles, but these people would be in like his future projects a lot. Oh, he created like a, a stock of actors. A little collective. Yeah. Yeah. So like Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton are in some of his later movies too, like from beyond. Um, and so Jeffrey Combs, who played West, was brought in by the casting director who had seen him in a, like a stage play. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he walked in and started reading, they knew that he was like the perfect actor for the role. Yeah, he's pretty spot um, on. Well, actually, he's not spot on. Oh. Because in the Lovecraft story, he's like blue-eyed blondes. I see. Yeah. Uh, Barbara Crampton actually came in very late during pre-production because they had cast a different actress in the part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she got cold feet. This is uh, from a, an interview. I, I don't know how much truth there is to this. There's two sides to every story. But uh, she got cold feet and talked to her mother about it. And her mother insisted that she leave the production immediately. So the casting director found Barbara and ultimately they said she was so much better than the first woman that the director said he can't even remember the first actress's name. Oh, wow. Shady. So they rehearsed for two weeks at Barbara Crampton's apartment. 
Yeah, that's a acting intensive. Yeah, so they treated the scenes in order as if it were a play, mm-hmm. uh, because that's what Gordon was used to. Mm-hmm. And he knew that once filming started, they wouldn't really have a chance to work like that again and like talk about their character motivations and stuff like that. So it really got all of the the cast comfortable with each other and with the script. Yeah, and it does come through, I think. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like, the they all have very good chemistry, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, so the shooting schedule, as I said before, was 18 to 22 days. Uh, they shot the opening sequence several weeks after they had wrapped filming because even though the scene was cut from the script, when Brian Usna saw the first cut of the film, mm-hmm. he thought that it needed, like, the the preludes to let people know what kind of film it was going to be. That makes sense. They had worked on the script for so long that it had to just be boiled down to bare essentials because when making a low budget movie, they needed to have as few characters as possible so that they could use as few locations as possible. Like there's actually no exterior shots you know, now that you mention it, that makes sense. There's just like but ones yeah. that establish what the outside of the houses look like, that's and that's so it. interesting. But yeah, you're right. I know, like in in transit shots. Yeah, I don't know. I think I thought they did a really good job because it moved along at a very brisk pace. Oh, definitely. They crammed a lot into the movie, and I guess they did very few takes for like the exact same reason, just to try and save budge. Uh, and because it would have taken forever to clean up all of the fake blood that they yeah, were using in all of the scenes. There was a lot of it. Uh, like one of the main things Gordon said he remembers about shooting Reanimator is that his shoes stuck to the floor the whole time. Uh, and the special effects department actually went through 25 gallons of fake blood during the shoot. That's quite a bit. Yeah. You could probably bathe in that if you wanted to, but I don't think I'd want to. It'd be too sticky. Yeah. And uh, red. As I talked about before, there was like a whole subplot that ended up getting cut where it was about Dr. Hill having the ability to hypnotize people. Yep. He said that a movie should only have one fantastic thing because if you expect the audience to believe more than that, you're going to stretch your credibility too far. Interesting. So they, they thought like the fantastic thing should just be the fact that he could bring the dead back to life. I feel like that was also like Rod Sterling's rule. It was like, take an ordinary thing and then just change one thing. Yeah. I don't really remember though. So that's what I'm going to believe. Like I said before, you can see him performing the skill on Megan and Herbert. Mm -hmm. And it, it is the reason he can control all of the, the zombies, but he could do it in life as well. Ah. Uh, So it was actually released unrated oh because during the rating process it became clear to gordon and this is a quote that if we cut it to their standards the movie would be about 15 minutes long yikes but he thought it was really brave of empire pictures to release the film unrated yeah the mpaa had like a huge stranglehold over the industry back then yeah and they had a perfectly good release he said so you don't really need a rating and then he he cited like a room with a view which was also released unrated because it had full frontal male nudity 
which was enough to give it an X rating. Oh my! So rather goodness. than try and get the rating, they just yeah called it a day. Fair enough. Yeah. So that was Reanimator. It was very animated. I like it. It's yeah, funny. It was good. Reminds me a lot of like the Evil Dead. Yeah, we were talking like Dead Alive. We were talking about this earlier, and I was like. There are a lot of very silly happenings in the movie, but all the characters in it and the direction just treats it very straightforward. Yeah, it's, which is really it's good. It's really sort of like shot and set up, knowing that it was a theater guy, kind of like a stage. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. And I really, you don't see enough IRL glowing green chemicals. Oh, you know uh, what I mean? This might be wrong, but I think I read today mm-hmm. that this was the first movie to feature glow sticks. Is that what the that makes sense that that was the chemical was? Yes, they used glow sticks for the it for the chemical. Really good, so much better than any CGI bullshit that you could <laughs> dream up. It looks so good. Go back to glow sticks. That's gonna be my hashtag twenty eighteen. Go back to glow sticks. Dot com. So next week, I am so excited for our episode because... Episode 15. It's our 15th episode, and so we'll be doing something a little bit different than normal. Mm-hmm. We will be talking about three movies, Yeah, and these are movies that are not so bad they're good. This is not movies that are so bad they're still entertaining, though. This is just like... The just worst bad. three of the worst movies we have ever seen. Yeah, we're gonna keep them a surprise. We've seen a lot that we have, and yeah, I'm really not looking forward to watching them again to talk <laughs> about them. But especially because a lot of them are so bad that they don't even have Wikipedia synopses to help us out. You know, you block them from your memory. And then you can't even remember why they were so bad sometimes. And then you watch them over again, and you notice things, reasons why you hate them that you didn't even know. It's great. (laughs) It's great. So I can't wait to share these with you. I know. I have a lot of opinions about some of them, so... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and we'll probably be extra glossy for it because i think that's going to be the only way i can get through them definitely but anyway thank you very much for listening we really appreciate it and if you're not already make sure to give us a follow on twitter at deaf first blood or instagram at definitely first blood uh yeah so i think that's good night and thank you and bye goodbye bye bye